0: You're listening to the Ones Ready podcast, a team of Air Force special operators forged in combat with over 70 years of combined operational experience, as well as a decade of selection instructor experience. If you're tired of settling and you want to do something you truly believe in, you're in the right place. Now here's your host, PJ Team Leader, former in-doc instructor supervisor, entrepreneur, and physician assistant student, Brian Silva.
1: How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another One's Ready podcast. Brian Silva here, and today we have another awesome guest. Um, we got a lot of questions from you guys on Instagram and a lot of engagement, and I know you guys are really excited to hear from him. But first, I want to thank you guys for listening and for following us along on this adventure. I know it's been a little bit over a half a year now that we've been doing this thing, and hopefully, we've imparted a couple lessons, you know, helped you out at least a little bit. If not, you got a cool shirt, you know, something from the shop, maybe a sticker. So we appreciate you guys uh, listening, and as always, you know, we're there to answer all of your Instagram questions, all your emails, anything we can do to help you guys out and explain more of what we do in Air Force Special Warfare. Um, So thanks again for listening. So today, um, like I said, we have the chief of the 24 special operations wing. He's a senior enlisted leader. He's command chief Jeff Gilman, and he has 29 years and six months of service. So tons of experience to impart on you guys and shed some knowledge about kind of what they do and his lessons learned on leadership, things that we can apply towards not only assessment and selection, but anywhere that you are working in your life. So we uh, are glad to have him on, Chief. So if you don't mind just going through, introducing yourself and just tell us, you know, as much or as little as you'd like about, you know, your 30 years. I know we, uh, you could probably talk a l- for a while about it, but if you can just uh, introduce yourself.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Brian. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, you know, first off, uh, I'm a little disappointed that you asked me to come on and do this and you haven't given <laughs> me one of those t-shirts you just talked about. So uh, <laughs> It's we'll, coming. We'll t- We'll talk about that, uh, at the end. Uh, I think. Yeah, uh, get no. it. You got thanks, you. To, thanks to you guys. Uh, thanks to your audience, uh, even more so for tuning in, for listening. Uh, you know, I know these guys are, are, are putting together a great show for you guys and, and I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping what I'm able to do tonight with you is going to be helpful as well as you guys get set up, regardless of whether you're looking at a uh, an aspect war career or, or just being successful uh, at life, uh, I think you know. Whenever you have someone who's willing to invest in you uh, in the way that uh, that we are trying to do tonight, I think it's always helpful. So, um, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. So, uh, a little bit about myself: I grew up up in New England, uh, went to high school, graduated in 1990. Uh, think about that. Let that sink in for a moment, <laughs> and then. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I joined the Marine Corps uh, actually out of high school. Uh, enlisted, never had any uh, any intent to go to college. Uh, I was the kid that uh, when I was about 13 or 14, I was already uh, finding the uh, you know the the Navy SEAL, the Ranger, the Marine Recon, the the uh, combat control posters, and my walls were already plastered with them. So I, I had a a very defined vision for what I wanted to do, and and I've had the Fortunate reality to have been able to to play that out for an actual career. So really, to live out uh, a dream, a childhood dream of, of what I wanted to do, and I've gotten to do it in peacetime, and I've gotten to do it in wartime, uh, which was pretty phenomenal, uh, and, and and certainly the experience of a lifetime, um, and uh, something I'll never regret. So yeah, I spent uh, spent about four years in the Marine Corps. Uh, I was a force re- I, I was first actually a an infantry machine gunner was what I was initially trained to do. Um, and uh, really learned a lot. I was a young kid, uh, but I soon decided that, uh, that that wasn't all there was for me. There was something more I wanted to be doing. And, uh, and as I explored other options and, uh, and, and, and went on a deployment where I was uh, working kind of side by side in a different capacity with, uh, with force recon teams that were deployed on the same ship with me, and I decided right out there uh, in Rota, Spain, when we were redeploying, they ran an indock uh, out there, and I decided—you know—I got down on the well deck of the ship for about four months prior to that indock, and uh, and you know got on the Versa climber and and, uh, and jumped <laughs> rope, and uh, I got in uh, some pretty wicked shape, and uh, and I crushed uh, I crushed the indock out there, and they uh, they pulled me in. So real fortunate to have that opportunity. Got free fall and uh, and scuba qualified when I was in the Marine Corps uh, was a. Was part of a uh, direct action team. Uh, was an explosive breacher, mechanical breacher for my for my platoon, and uh, and, and got a lot of incredible experiences. Uh, soon decided that you know the 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 way that you know that kind of a nautical tradition and the way those guys deploy on ship. Uh, at least at the time, the way they did it w- was certainly not something that I I was interested in doing for a career. Uh, so I looked at some outside stuff. You know, I looked at uh, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. I looked at the Department of Energy and and some other uh, uh, government organizations that that do some pretty cool stuff here in the in the continental United States as well. Uh, and I stumbled upon really uh, you know combat control teams. And I had one friend who had already done it, and uh, I, I ended up driving from Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, over to uh to uh pope air force base where the combat control school was and, and i said hey you know I'm, I'm interested in what you guys do and i uh, decided on the spot to run through a, a pass test um i did okay on the pass test um you know talked to some really some really smart guys that were uh were were uh you know prepping me essentially for for uh, the decision i had to make and and it didn't take me long i got there and and uh, that's really you know the that's what got me where I am today. So 25 years later, I've been a combat controller uh, the entire time in the Air Force, worked in special operations uh, that entire time, except for one four-year tour as a uh, as a training instructor where I was uh, one of the, uh, you know, line instructors at the combat control school up in Pope, Pope Air Force Base in North Carolina. Uh, so, you know, that brings me through all of my tactical uh, team training time and then through some command assignments at the squadron group and now the wing level where uh, I'm the the senior enlisted leader for the the 24th Special Operations Wing, which is about, uh, you know, give or take about 1,900 uh, airmen strong. So, uh, and that brings us uh, pretty much to present day.
1: Nice. And on that vein, I just want to just ask one quick question about that because um a lot of guys are coming from like a different career field or they're older and they're trying to like get into the special the air force spec, spec war kind of thing since you trained for both you know recon and then uh cct was it uh a lot of different training and what age were you when you came into uh the air force
2: yeah, so I only did. Uh, you know, I was seventeen. My parents had to sign for me to get into the Marine Corps. So I came in, you know, real young, and and I was uh, in the Marine Corps until I turned twenty-one, uh, and cross-trained into uh, into or didn't cross-train, but but separated from the Marine Corps, and then uh, went through the whole initial accession process into the Air Force all over again. Uh, and so I was about twenty-one ish, twenty-one or twenty-two oh, okay. when I when I started the Air Force pipeline. And uh, you know, there's a lot of similarities in the uh, in the the type of human dna that we're trying to hire uh, it, it all comes from you know the the same small group of americans that that have that dna so uh you know the the training was very similar it was it was it was a test mentally a test physically uh and and then there's obviously the piece you know you got you got to learn the job and and uh, and show aptitude to be able to to be good at it as well so a lot of similarities between the two uh, from a training perspective
3: nice well chief you're in charge of, of, you said, 1,900 airmen at the 2-4 Special Operations Wing, which, you know, is comprised of combat controllers, PJs, uh, special reconnaissance, TACPs, vehicle maintenance, you know, riggers or AFE, um, intel, all kind of personnel. And so how does this job differ as the senior enlisted leader to your jobs when you were running a squadron like what is that difference between the squadron level and the wing level that you've experienced
2: yeah there's there's a there, there's some similarities uh that i'll talk about and then there there's some some fairly large differences as well so when you talk similarities you know i think every assignment that you have when you know when when you start out as a uh as just a uh, you know uh, a team member, you know, at a, on a special tactics team, there, there's duties and responsibilities associated with that position. Uh, and then as you advance in rank, um, you know, and you uh, you promote, you get more responsibility, and and that works its way up progressively as you go through the airman tier, the NCO tier, the senior NCO tier, and then once you become a chief. And so every one of those tiers prepares you for the next, right? So you start, you know, you, you learn how to manage four people. And then you learn how to manage 18 people. And then you learn how to manage, uh, you know, a, a few more. And, and you, so you progressively get better at uh, both the leadership aspect of, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you com- command and control tactically, you know, the people that are under your charge, but then also how do you care and feed for them, right? Like, how do you, how do you uh, take care of them in the, in the garrison environment when you're at home, or you're on a training trip, you know, what's the, What's, what's the leadership mes- uh, necessary from your perspective to, to make sure that you're taking care of families, you're taking care of members, you're making sure that you, uh, you're, you're developing them professionally, you're developing them, them, them personally, um, you're making them ready uh, for the challenges of, of combat deployments? And and so, to get better at doing those things, you got to start small. And then, so you know, none of those things change all the way up through a chief assignment at the squadron. You're doing all of those same functions, but as you as you get a little bit, you know, further on in uh, in your career and you lead at the squadron and, and, and higher level, you start to have to bring some of your focus up and out rather than down and in. Right? So you can't only be focused on. Um, you know, t- care and feeding, taking care of, uh, you know, the the troops under your charge, making sure the mission's happening uh, by, you know, making sure they have the, you know, the right organization training and equipment, but you have to start looking up and out as well. And so, you know, as you progressively move beyond the squadron, beyond the group and like where I am now and beyond, uh, you know, the amount of that energy that has to be placed up and out, looking at strategy, looking, you know, making sure that the vision for special tactics, in my case for the 2-4 SAO, is nested within the vision of Air Force Special Operations Command, which is nested in the the, the SOCOM or Special Operations Command vision and uh, and developing strategy and making sure that I'm synchronized with my boss, Colonel Allen, and that you know the way we're leading out our efforts are 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 in line with and su- and supporting uh, other uh, you know initiatives and uh, so probably the biggest difference, but it doesn't change the fact that you still gotta, you know, from a leadership perspective, you still have to be, uh, you still have to lead from the front. You still have to make sure that you are, um, you know, connected to the mission. You are competent at your job. And and none of those things change, regardless of whether you're an airman uh, on a team or whether you're the command chief of the wing, you still have to, all of those same philosophies apply. They just change in nature as you, as you move up and, and you gain experience. Um, so those are probably the major similarities and differences, um, you know, probably more similarities than differences overall.
3: Yeah. You, you brought up a good point though, like about the care and feeding for people, everybody underneath your, your charge or your care has different needs, whether it's the CCT, PJSR, tech peas, you know, the operators, or is it the support personnel, everybody with within there has their own needs. And, you know, as a senior enlisted leader, you've got to be cognizant and be able to empathize with those folks.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, and there are challenges associated with that. So, you know, when we look at the way we're structured as a, you know, for, again, from my experience as a, as a special tactics leader, uh, you know, we, we bring operations folks together and support folks together into the same squadron. And we kind of seamlessly mesh them together in what we call a special tactics squadron. You know, other like when you talk about airframes in the Air Force, C-130s and, and, and other, you know, aircraft and, you know, they have operations squadrons and then they have separate support squadrons. So the way they uh, care and feed and support and professionally develop them are, are, are really separate entities. Uh, we do all of that. Um, You know, so as a leader in a special tactics squadron, you do all of that for multiple AFSCs. I think, I I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but I think it's about 32 different Air Force specialty codes in a special tactics squadron right now. And you you don't have to be an expert on every single one of them but you have to know enough that that you can professionally develop them independent of of all the other afsc so you know a combat controller a uh, special reconnaissance guy attack p and pj all are similar enough that if you're if you've grown up in the special tactics career field, or if, you, uh, if you're if you an AFSEC war leader, you can generally understand where they're walking because you've walked there yourself. But uh, you know, if, if you're going to lead all the others, which there are many more uh, in the squadron, those support AFSCs that are critical to the mission, you have to do your homework and you have to understand, you have to, you have to learn who they are, where they came from, what other assignments they've had, what other magcoms they've served in, uh, and then, what what are the defining pieces of their career that's going to make them promotable to the next round? Because it's not the same as the operator AFSCs, and, and it's a whole lot of work. And again, you have to start small. So, you know, when you're an airman on the team, making relationships with those guys and your support staff, and make and, and learning what they do early, and then as you grow not you know not kind of putting up the wall and focusing on just ops and what we do but but learning about the holistic runnings of a squadron gives you a huge advantage when you become a an, an operation superintendent or a squadron level leader or beyond. So and and you know I just had I had the fortune of uh you know making a lot of friends in combat mission support over the years and, and I didn't do it by you know on purpose because I thought it was gonna make me better at being a leader in ST. Uh, I think I just took the time to, to get to know people. And, and that's just part of, uh, you know, what, what I would encourage everyone to do, you know, like if, if you're not meeting new people and learning about them and being curious, uh, then, then, you know, you're, you're probably going to miss the boat on a lot of opportunity to, to learn about people and to learn from people. So, uh, you know, that, that was just good fortune on my part. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: Chief for you guys out there listening it's the same thing you know when you're on team those guys that you are on the gunnel with and running with rocking with every single day taping your gear up with that's when all the bonding and everything happens you know getting to know the person that's next to you and that way you put a little bit of stake in what they're doing you guys form a team and then it's the same thing when you go down range you know you're constantly trying to bond with the people around you because you never know what you're going to be doing so i think that was a great point for those that are going to go through selection also yeah,
0: absolutely. And chief, you, you very briefly described, you know, leadership at the highest levels, you know, 10, 12, 15 levels up of leadership. So I want to take you all the way back, like to when you were a follower. So you have to be a good follower before you're a good leader. What would you say you, you focused on to be a good follower on the teams from the very beginning that sets you up to be the leader that you are of 1900 airmen and 17 or 18 AFSCs now?
2: Yeah. Use your ears more than your mouth. Uh, perfect. I, I think
0: love it really yeah.
2: like that's, you know, that's the core of it, right? Like if you, if, if you're not willing to take critical feedback, if, um, if you're defensive in nature about, um, being told that you're not perfect, uh, then you're not going to go far, uh, because, you know, I'll tell you like 30 years of service now working for an 'o six, uh, formerly working for general Tudor when he was the wing commander, you know, I, I have to be wrong every single day, right? Like when we go into strategy meetings, or when we're looking at, you know, uh, a vision, trying to develop a vision for what um, what we look like within AFSOC in ten years, or fifteen years, and twenty years, you know. And we're spitballing, uh, trying to figure things out based on the national security strategy and and, and other predictive documents about what things look like in the future you know, if you can't sit in that meeting and have someone look at you and say, no, man, that's that's not going to happen or you're wrong. You're just wrong. Like that's not the right way to look at this. Uh, then, then, then you're not going to be effective. Right. So I think using your ears, um, more than your mouth, being able to follow, being able to listen. Um, I think, you know, at the core of it, it's about just disciplined execution, right? At some level, you just have to be able to follow orders, right? Like disciplined professionalism. If, you know, Trust that your leaders know what they're doing, trust that they're going to develop you, and uh, and just listen and follow, right? And, and it really comes down to that, and, and do everything to the best of your ability. Uh, if you're always putting your team before yourself, you're never going to go wrong. If you ever find yourself, you know, we, we have, you know, when you're talking about, um, it, you know, there's, you uh, um, you know, when it, whether we're in tactical operations or whether you're in the rear, you know, there's kind of an order that you take care of things, right? Like, so you take care of um, team gear first, if you're doing cleanup after a mission, right? You take care of team gear, you take care of personal gear, and then you take care of yourself. And and if you con- if you use that as kind of a mantra for the way you go through life and the way you engage in every situation professionally, you, you look at, hey, how can I make the team better first? How can I take care of the team's mission first? Okay, once I've done that, now let me take care of the gear that's helping make me successful. Okay, now that that's all done, okay, what do I need to do for myself? And, and if you con- if you go through life uh, and you train with that always in your head, and you're always looking for an opportunity um, to to advance the position of your team, what can I do to make things better for the team? Um, you're 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 always going to be on the right side of the decision. Uh, so I think you know when I rewind and and I look at maybe the, some of the things that I did right, I think I was probably a decent follower. I came you know I I came in with eyes wide open, uh, knowing that I knew nothing. And if you if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to just ad- admit that, hey, like. I don't know what I'm doing right now, I'm brand new, and I am going to listen and absorb like a sponge. Then, uh, then, then you're gonna be successful later on. But you gotta be able to admit you're wrong. And you gotta be able to start by admitting that, hey, I just don't know everything. And, and some people, you know, and, and unfortunately, you know, some of the, the AFSCs that we train and a lot of the people that we attract into these jobs have a bit of arrogance that comes along with the package. And uh, and sometimes that arrogance gets in people's way. So I Chief, think- if I'm, they can, I'm right
0: here, if, I can hear you. I don't know why I we're being <laughs> so mean.
2: I, I, was, I was actually talking to you, Aaron, <laughs> and thinking about you. The uh,
0: the irony that I would be so vain that I thought that was exactly to me. That's a very meta insult. I really like
2: it. It's good. (laughs) No, but that's that's really it. I mean, you know, from it's it's so simple, but it's it's simply difficult. I guess you know what I mean to to be that guy that just be the sponge, do what you're told, do it well, always be on time, on target, with the right uniform on, and and start there. And if you can start doing that well, then you're probably going to be successful as you advance.
0: Did you have any problems transferring when it was time to be, you know, hey, no more follower? It's time for me to be that leader and, and kind of take charge. I think, you know, you're a you're a natural leader. Obviously, we have a history of we know each other well enough where I, I don't think I'm out of line saying I think you're probably a natural leader um and you feel comfortable in those positions. Did you ever have, you know, leadership issues or, or failures as you made that transition from follower to leader?
2: I don't- I don't think so. I mean, I, it would probably be more appropriate for you to ask those around me at the time. You know, I think there's always a there's a growth period in every <laughs> in every major change. Uh, so you know, I'm sure there was a growth period for me as well. I, I feel very comfortable with people. I, I see people as you know as I do my own kind of SWOT analysis. You know, my strengths, weaknesses. You know, I, I am a people person by nature. I, I enjoy talking to people, being with people, learning from people. Um, And so, you know, engaging with people uh, is pretty natural for me. And, And the core of leadership is engaging with people, right? Like, you know, you can talk about the differences between leadership and management and problem solving and critical thinking and all those other aspects of it. But the core of leadership is being able to talk to people, earn the respect, earn the, earn the credibility, and then have them follow you to accomplish a task. That's the core of leadership. So it, it, it has to start with the engagement with people. So I think, um, I'm not gonna say it came easy to me, but I think that it, um, it was more natural for me, uh, just from that perspective. But there was still, uh, I'm sure a very steep learning curve when it came to the additional responsibilities that come with leadership, right? Like, so when you go from being just the guy that shows up 20 minutes prior to the jump to get a jump brief, uh, when you go from that to being the guy that now has to spend the day prior prepping the ranges and making sure that the the risk management documents are tight, making sure that the ORM got or the, uh, the, the warning order got signed. And now I have to prepare the brief, give the brief and make sure the air crews are, are rolled in on the plan. Like so, you know, those are those are all other aspects of leadership as well. And and there is a learning curve to make sure to, to get good at all of those processes that that go along with it. But the core of leadership is simple. It's just about people.
0: That's outstanding. And oh, by the way, you then accept responsibility for that entire training event, too. So there's always that added pressure <laughs> that I'm sure that you felt as you did it, because I, I sure did. What's, uh, Chief, hit us real quick. What's on your reading list? What books would you recommend to somebody that's out there that, that you like?
2: Wow. Well, I've got a long reading list here. Let me do this real quick. Like, since I got this sitting right next to me, so I read, but I've also found that um, I I don't have as much time for reading. So when I'm I I, I do a lot of training on a stand up paddleboard, and I listen to audiobooks <laughs> uh, while I paddle. So let me give you a, like I've got this thing sitting right here in front of me. So on Audible, uh, the next hundred years, it's it's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. It, it, it'll it'll change the way you look at uh, you know <laughs> geopolitical stuff that you're seeing in the news right now. Um, uh, that's a real good one atomic habits is another one Um, I'll tell you like if there was one book that I would give a young man or woman to read right now uh, that will potentially change the way you look at your everyday it would be atomic habits Uh, it, it really talks about like you know the little things that you do every day the sum total of all the little things you do and the systems that you build into your life to enable the successful accomplishments of these little things uh, so that you at the end of every day, you have accomplished your task and you've moved, moved yourself Forward toward your goals. So it, it's not just a goal book. There's a lot of goal books out there that talk about, you know, how to set goals and how to build strategies and inch stones and milestones and all that. But this is, this talks more about the systems of your life that you build into your everyday that enable you to meet your goals. And it is absolutely, uh, I mean, to me, it was mind blowing. It's not rocket science. Like it's not stuff, stuff that's going to blow your mind. But when you, when you hear the way it's talked about and the way you can apply it every day, uh, I wish I would have read it twenty years ago. So uh, I would say uh, that's on there. Um, of course, every every human should read Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, that is, I've, I've read that book now three times, and and every time, like I find, you know, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll be a sobbing mess in a in a dark room in the house sometime <laughs> just reading about, you know, and thinking about, you know. Uh, it, I need to. I need to be happier with what I have more often because my life is incredible. It's absolutely incredible, and I am wealthy in so many ways. And when you read about you know uh, things like that and how he specifically reacted to to the situation he was placed in, in a, uh, as a Jew in in a camp uh, during World War II, I'll tell you it'll change your life. If you haven't read it, you need to. Call sign Chaos. You got to read Call Sign Chaos. I mean, greatest Secretary of Defense, the uh, Saint the General Mattis. Had. absolutely you have to you have to read call sign chaos he breaks things down he he breaks down complicated concepts of leadership and 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 how to uh you know maneuver forces on the battlefield like and and you'd think you went to school and learned it yourself because he breaks it down so clearly uh and and the man is i I got to meet him a couple times uh he's certainly an idol of mine I, i think that he's a phenomenal guy and then anything from simon Sinek. Um, Simon Sinek is phenomenal. Mm. I've, you know, reader leaders eat last is, is probably his most popular work. I've read it a couple times. Uh, start with why is also a good one. Uh, infinite game. Uh, I le- I read a lot of historic fiction, you know, strategy. Um, you know, just some things like, like, uh, what, what else? Uh, legacy talking about mm. the, uh, the New Zealand all blacks. It's a great book. The about all the how to blacks. Turn a team around. Yeah. Yep. Got uh, to sweep those book. sheds chief. Yep. That's exactly right. Yep. Uh, so that one, and then any, anything by Malcolm Gladwell as well, you know, I, the first book I, I read by Malcolm Gladwell was tipping point and tipping point. I read for a specific reason. We, we had some organizational change that we, that we had to do at a squadron that I was, you know, my first chief assignment, a matter of fact, and, and we had some stuff that was brewing that, that wasn't necessarily real positive. And, and I was looking for a way, how do you, how do you create that tipping point in order to, to affect permanent lasting organizational change? And uh, and that book became my go-to. I, like I had it highlighted and you know dog-eared corners on pages. And and you know as we tried to build out this this plan uh, for how we were gonna you know uh, essentially turn a turn a giant ship uh, you know as quickly as possible. Uh, that was kind of my go-to. Talking with strangers is another one of his books that I'll tell you. Um, right now in the in the American climate that we're in right now. Uh, I would recommend that everyone read that book and, and just understand at a deeper level, the differences uh, between people, you know, regionally uh, based on ethnicity uh, and, and just, you know, the country versus the cities and, and, and how, you know, we may be talking and saying the same words to each other, but we're not hearing the same thing from each other as we say them. And, and it's uh, it's just an amazing, like he's a, he's brilliant. Uh, and and I love his work as well. Blink is another one by uh, Gladwell that I think is phenomenal. Um, you must be on Alona the paddleboard dawn.
3: constantly yeah he's i was
0: great. gonna say that's a lot of books chief <laughs> <laughs> man i'm glad yeah, that you do you at least old... listen on one and a half speed or what yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: and, and, and don't forget don't forget about alone at dawn uh yes. i got an advanced copy uh when that book was still in publishing and and read it and and got to you know i had the honor of being able to you know give a uh, dan a little bit of uh critique on the, on it before it got published and uh, but just a phenomenal work about uh john chapman and his heroism uh, on takagar that earned him the medal of honor
1: and we'll definitely get all the list on the uh, youtube links and everything if you can send us like an email just with some of the stuff and we'll get it from the transcript and everything but we'll throw it up on the on the drive and make sure that you guys are able to access these lists so you can go back and reference it over and over again or you can just come back and listen to the podcast over and over again we're totally cool with that too but um kind of switching gears here a little bit you guys out there listening might not know because you know chief gilman is so grounded and he's talking to you like a normal person but you know being the special operations wing chief he's you know at the very top and not only is he grounded and like talking to all the people managing that but he's focusing on the vision for you know the rest of the squadron like he said a little bit earlier is up and out and what's going to be happening and trying to plan that stuff and it's not an easy feat trying to figure out like steer the ship and tell everyone this is where we're going to be going and then get their buy-in on that so um, for those guys that are listening right now, if you don't mind chief Gilman, just talking about, you know, where you kind of see the future of special tactics, special warfare going, I know there's a lot of pieces to this, but just overall, because they're going to be the ones that are going to be driving the ship, you know, in a, uh, in a couple of years. So if you don't mind going into that.
2: Yeah, no, I, I don't. And, and and I'll tell you, like, it, it's not just all of you out there that are, that are kind of, uh, waiting for this, there, there's a there's a lot of things out there that are that are in movement right now when we talk about um, you know the national security strategy for the next 10, 20 years, you know, what's the world gonna look like in 2030, 2040? And what does specifically again from my experience, what is special tactics or what does AFSpec war need to be able to do in uh, in 20 years to be successful? Um, you know, we we built we built the uh, the special tactics squadrons, uh, group, and wing that we needed to fight the war that we've been fighting for the last 18 years, and we have been overwhelmingly successful at doing that. But we've we've grown the force in a in a very specific direction for a very specific purpose in order to win at what's been asked of us and uh, and that was uh, essentially a counter violent extremist organization fight right like what you've you know what you've been watching play out for years now in afghanistan uh and i and iraq <clears throat> and 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 i don't think any of that is gonna go away immediately overnight but what we're being asked to do is start looking at other other threats to national security in the next 10, 20, 30 years. And then what do we do? What do, what do we have to do as individuals? So when we talk AFSCs, you know, um, combat controllers, um, special reconnaissance, pararescuemen, TACPs, all of the combat mission support AFSCs or are, are specialty codes that make up a squadron. You know, <clears throat> what, does that sh- what should that look like in the future for us to be successful? And what are, what are the missions that we see ourselves doing on behalf of the nation holistically in order to, to, to win in order to be successful. And, and as we, you know, as we try to, you know, kind of look in that crystal ball a little bit and figure out what that looks like, we have some pretty specific directions that that we're kind of walking down that that we think uh, are going to be, Asked of us uh, in the future by the nation in order to to compete with uh, the emergence of of powers that are that are uh, you know we haven't paid a lot of attention to over the last eighteen years because we've been so focused on the violent extremist organizations and winning that fight, uh, but you know countering countering the emergence of other great powers in the world that don't necessarily have our best interest in mind is uh, is definitely something uh, that that we will be involved in. Um, you know i think that you know there was uh, and, and i don't know if uh, your audience is familiar but uh, but there was uh, you know the the battlefield airman vision 2030 that was published um, not too long ago really i mean we're just talking in you know, the last two years yeah, yeah. It was maybe maybe it was three years um, and it was close you know i think there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in there that was obviously pre what we have now as a as a national security strategy uh, and, and I think it's going to be shaped a little bit, you know, the, the need for ground operators in the air force, highly trained, um, highly, uh, uh, uh technically proficient to be able to do things that others cannot or will not do yeah. is not going to change. Yeah. We're, we're our, still going to be that. Um, the tactics, techniques, and procedures, uh, the mission tasks that we go after, the things that we're going to be expected to be able to do are probably going to change a little bit. Um, and, and how we do those things is probably going to change a little bit. And who we do them for is probably mm-hmm. going to change a little bit. Um, but what's not going to change is the DNA, the character, the competence of the operators that we hire. That that will okay. remain regardless of, of, of how the mission changes. Uh, Whether, you know, we change how we get to the battlefield or whether we change what we do on the battlefield, Um, but but the people that we hire, the DNA, the raw attribute material that we hire for is uh, is not going to change uh, much at all. So um, <clears throat> I think that that's you know as I as I look into the crystal ball and I look forward into the future, I, I think we will pivot a little bit geographically around the world. You know, there's some emergence of, of power that will probably drive us to, to change um, a little bit of uh, the weight of effort when we when we see the way the the. The, uh, the combatant commanders are arraying their forces around the globe, uh, we'll probably move, you know, the chessboard will change a little bit. You know, we, we have force numbers in Afghanistan that are X right now, and, and they'll probably go down to X. And then we'll, uh, you know, those forces will be needed elsewhere, and, and we'll pivot and shift as, uh, as needed. Um, so I, I know that I'm and you're, you're probably seeing I'm dancing around a lot of the details and, I, and I'm doing that for, for good reason. But
0: yeah, one um, of our favorite things to do chief is to put our guests, especially high ranking ones in really awkward positions. So we're just, <laughs> just waiting until the lightning round, boy, do we have some hot button issues for you? I hope yeah, you're not yeah. on Twitter cause you're about to get canceled.
2: No, this is, uh, this is fine. You know, I don't mind talking about it all and we can definitely, I mean, I, I think your, your audience, uh, you know, as long as they understand if nothing else that, you know, um, the nation needs us to do really hard work and, and we're going to continue to do really hard work for the nation. So, um, you know, th- th- there'll be some changes. Right. Uh, but but we still need to hire uh, the greatest talents that America has to offer. And uh, and we're, we're going to continue to pursue them. We're going to continue to uh, to make sure that we're putting ourselves in a position to recruit uh, that talent, you know, through our our focus of recruiting with the three thirtieth recruiting squadron, and then uh, field developers and and others out in the field that are going to be engaging with you guys to make sure that you're ready before you even start the training pipeline. So, uh, you know, that that's probably about the best answer I can give you.
0: Yeah, those developers, nice. we love that program. We've been trying to you know get somebody on to talk about the development program for a long time. That's one hole that we've had. So. I don't know if you have any poll, but we'd love to get one of those T3I
1: developers on here.
2: (laughs) I'll look into that for you.
0: (laughs) Appreciate that, Chief. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Um, And... One more, just along that type of vein, it's not about any of the mission sets or anything like that, but there are a lot of, um, just kind of rumors, I guess, about everything going into one type of beret and under one series and that whole thing. Again, we kind of stated that, uh, you know, it's not about the color or the uniform or any of that kind of stuff. It's about the person and that DNA is not going to change. Um, but is there any truth to the one beret type of stuff?
2: It's certainly been talked about. So, you know, uh, we, we made some huge wins. So. You know, the the BA or Battlefield Airman Vision 2030 that 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 we just talked about just a little bit that that's you know going to morph over time. That was born out of a force improvement process that that was um, put into motion by Headquarters Air Force in order to look at AF spec war holistically and figure out how can we do business better. Uh, and as as that analysis was done, you know the the Special Warfare Training Wing. Uh, that now is is working on our behalf in Air Education and Training Command to make sure that we're, you know, merging pipelines and making the pipelines better, bringing all of these AFSCs together to train efficiently through the pipeline instead of separate in a, in a completely disaggregated nature. So, um, you know, that that was born out of that. We also have an increased advocacy in the Pentagon now for Air Force um, um, spec war um um, organizations so you know there there's a lot that came out of that force improvement process one of those things also that came out of there was the 1z air Force specialty code and and you know for a lot of you guys that are listening I probably it doesn't mean a whole lot but you know uh, from my perspective having had a, a specific air Force specialty my entire career that was very different from the pararescue men that stood right next to me and you know you know and on mission was you know either right in front of me or right behind me uh was always strange to me that you know they they were a 1t coded afsc and i was a 1c coded afsc and i never really understood why that was Um, and and that is now corrected so now we have what we call the one Z afs or air force specialty where all of these combat afscs that do largely similar work you know differences here and there clearly uh, are now in the same AFSC or Air Force Specialty Code bucket, which again, you know, the nuances of that to me are phenomenal. You guys, you know, you, you won't appreciate the the magnitude of that, that difference now, but someday you likely will. It just means increased advocacy. Um, it really streamlined the way we hire. It streamlines the way we train. It streamlines the way we manage the force. Uh, so a lot of real goodness came out of that. So, you know, uh, there, there have been there's been talk about, you know, so since, Hey, we're all one Z's now, why don't we wear the same hat? Um, and, and, you know, I think we talked about that a lot when we were, you know, about a, about a year and a half ago when it was all but imminent that we were going to be moving all of the rescue forces from the air force, or at least the the guardian angel forces in the air force were going to be coming into AFSOC or at least so we thought, um, you know, that's when we, we actually sat around a conference room in the, uh, in, in the 24th sow and and i had a bunch of pj leaders from air combat command and i had a bunch of controller leaders from APSOC and, and we talked about it and uh we didn't come to any conclusions i think you know there was some agree to disagree on whether it's worth doing or whether it's the right thing to do or what does it do to our heritage you know what does it do to you know um, you know the the historical ties to the rescue community uh, which are deep for pararescue very deep Uh, And then the same thing on the on the uh, combat control side. So I, I would say that, you know, it's not inconceivable to me that at some point in the future, that conversation could happen again. But I mean, I we're not having that conversation right now I think we're we're doing a lot of really hard work to make sure that we're um, we're managing the force the way it should be managed right now that we're growing into uh, the new missions and structures that may emerge out of this vision that we're looking at moving forward but uh, right now uh, you know those conversations about you know the beret or or what we should or shouldn't be wearing uh, are, are not happening currently
3: oh that's good um, and I think that that's I mean, you know, call call me non-empathetic or whatever you call it, but I mean, it's it's a bray and I think that we have bigger issues that we need to discuss and solve than a uh, singular bray but that's that's just me. Yeah. Oh. And yeah, we've I, always I'm, been early yeah.
0: adopters here, Chief. So, yeah, you're you're yeah. you're in good company here. We uh, we ask because it's on everybody's mind, and we got a couple yeah. questions on it. But I think we all uh, we all feel the same
2: way here. So, gotta crush rumors yeah, over I here. mean, there's some you know from a cultural perspective as we grow together. Clearly, the pipelines are being you know pushed together closer and closer year after year. Uh, you know. I, it's hard to you know stranger things have happened in 10 20 years than uh, than than merging career fields closer than they are right now but uh, but like i said I, I think that's 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 some time away if we're going to talk about it again yeah yeah
3: definitely well i want to bring it back a little bit uh, to people since we know that that's what makes special tactics the air force dod and and private sector run so what are some of the key traits that you look for in your, not only, I mean, let's first, let's look at maybe your enlisted force. What are some of those traits that you look for in there? And then I'd like to also know what you look for in your officers.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, we hire for, you know, there there is a very specific attribute model um that, that we use when, when we're hiring Spec war airmen, you know, that, that go into the pipeline. Uh, and we use a very similar attribute model for um, for special tactics officers and crows as well. They're not they're not real different. It all starts with, you know, and, and we talked a little bit about, you know, DNA earlier. Um, it, it it starts with uh, I think character. So if I was gonna, you know, put my finger on one thing, you gotta, you hire someone with character. You're always gonna know what you get, right? It, it doesn't mean they're competent. It doesn't mean that they're gonna be good at their job. But it means, you know, if, if you hire someone with good character, they're always gonna try, right? They're always gonna have drive. They're always gonna be hardworking. They're always gonna be someone you can count on that's character um competence uh is something that, that's separate but equally as port as important right because you can have a guy with a guy with great character but if he can't solve the problem you need him to solve then then it's not worth a lot so i think you know you talk about character and competence physical fitness clearly is uh, is is one of the one of the things that's super important for us to to hire for not only because you know a lot of the things that we do are 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 quick it hard uh, and you're not going to be able to do it if you're not in a, in a high level of, of, of physical fitness um, but it also makes you uh, a more confident individual and, and you know studies show that on the civilian side we show that in, in uh, you know through our processes as well people that are super fit they, they handle stress better they're better in uh, they're better in situations that others might fold uh, they have more grit determination uh, so so those things are all important to me um, on the leadership part you know there's one you know, piece, and you don't often hear you know kind of steely-eyed killers that lead and soft organizations talk <laughs> a lot about this. But but you really have to care, right? And I, I say that from the perspective that um, you know if you boil everything else away, you you have to care about the people that you're leading. Uh, you have to care about doing things right. You have to care about being good at your job. You have to care about the mission and and what your overall. You know, if if we're gonna if we're gonna make decisions to potentially put our lives on the line for something uh you have to really care or you're not going to be invested right so you know a byproduct of, of caring is passion passion is fuel and uh and that's what fuels us right like people that you know run on passion are always going to be more effective uh than others so I, I think you know that that's kind of uh those are the big ones. You know, there's lots of other things too, right? Like we talk, uh, the, the intangible ones, the ones you can't really put your finger on, like the dude that's, uh, he's going through the pipeline and he's just gritty, right? Like he, <laughs> it does not matter what you do to that cat. And I remember these guys when I was an instructor, um, you know, it doesn't matter what, how much mud you put them in. It doesn't matter how cold they get. It doesn't matter how many miles they've run or how heavy the ruck has gotten, Like they just keep going, you know, and, and, you know, they're hurting, but they don't show it and, you know, they want to stop, but they don't. And that's grit, you know, and grit, you know, I guess, uh, you know, the the synonym would be determination, but I think grit's just a better word. And that's, you know, if I, if I had to boil down the the character model of of the guys that we need, we need smart, gritty guys. You got to be smart. You got to be able to solve problems, but you got to be gritty at the same time. I've climbed mountains in Afghanistan over the years at night with NVGs on and heavy rucksacks. And I'll tell you like, that is not for the faint at heart. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and you do things like that in combat conditions, like that's, you know, that grit comes in handy. So uh, I, I would not hire someone who I did not think had that kind of, uh, you know, gritty determined ability to just muscle through, power through uh, any obstacle. So uh, those are kind of, the, that's the way I look at, you know how we hire the people and what makes people successful in these kind of jobs.
3: I feel I feel right now is a, a good quick little story time because I don't know if, if you remember this or not, but oh, I hope I he mean, does.
0: I, I can't yeah. wait. Oh, so good, <laughs> Keith, wait. I, I have personally been excited about this for about three days.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, you and I have known each other for twenty years now. Um, met you in two thousand and one at combat control school, and the first time I met you. <laughs> you were in the gym with, and I'll leave their full names out of it, but Aaron and Wes, right? And you looked at me and another student, Ryan, who we just happen to be really good at pull ups. And uh, you guys are repping out, you've got the weight belt with a chain with a hundred pound plate, and you guys are just repping out pull ups. And it was like, well, you guys think you can do this? And you, I'm like, well, you know, who, who y'all, starting? And uh, I mean, and to put it in perspective. I you love guys the student were-
0: hoo ya It was a confused <laughs> hoo-yah. It wasn't like a motivated <laughs> hoo-yah. It was more like, a, I don't know. Hoo-yah. I have
1: to because you just asked me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Do you think you could do this? That's a, that's a direct order from a, from a cadre member. You guys will figure yeah, that exactly. out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was no, <laughs> there was, the, was no. That was
2: absolutely the intent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and you guys are repping out six or seven set or uh, reps of this. And I, I put it on and I, i got two, I got one good one and the second one was, eh. and here I am thinking that I'm some, you know, stud cause I'm in comic control school. You know, we've done the pipeline. I'm in a phenomenal shape and then I've got guys that are instructors that are just made me feel this small.
2: <laughs> Peaches, Certainly you are that was small. Never, that, that was never <laughs> our was intention. We, we were trying to build you up, Jared. We did not want you to do <laughs> <in> way. <laughs>
0: and, and look what happened, Peaches. That example that day led you to be the chief you are now. So I'm glad that we could all bundle oh, this yeah. up. Do you want to say <laughs> thanks, sir?
3: <laughs> You're welcome. I was I was just saying, oh, I'm not nice. I'm not the grit guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I do like that. And, you know, we just had Mr. Mr. Trey free on. So that podcast is going to drop. It'll drop uh, before this one comes out. But he described it great. He said, you know, I can't tell you what it is, but you'll know it when you see it and you want that to be in in, in your area and, and on your team. So I think that was a great way of of you describing it. So, Chief, we were we were joking before we got on how many questions we got on on the Instagram. We We literally got a ton. Some of them were really good. Some of them were really bad. We're just going to answer or ask you the good ones. Um, so first of all, whoever runs the uh, AF Spec Ops Command uh, Instagram is is rope a dope you here a little bit. They want to know what are your plans after the two four sal. Like, have you had enough after thirty years? Are you going to stay engaged with the community? What are your plans? What's next for you?
2: <clears throat> well, I've got a I've got a few things that I'm uh, that I'm looking at. I don't want to talk about you know some specific companies uh, that I'm. I'm currently talking to. I, I suppose courting is probably the right word. Uh, I am, you know, I'll, I'll be separating. So, you know, 30 years is, is higher tenure uh, for a chief unless you get a waiver past 30 years. So uh, I'm definitely, I'm, I have a, an approved retirement. I am on my way out. Um, I would like to, you know, maintain a connection to the community. I don't know exactly what capacity that will be in yet. Uh, I'm hoping in a, in a mentoring role. I think my passion's in mentoring and teaching uh, so I am looking at, you know, uh, a certain company that uh, that I actually had a, a phone call today where we talked a little bit about um, opportunities for me to, to, to run training uh, for them. So, um, you know, I'm engaged with the right people to have those conversations. I've loved, you know, this is, I tell people all the time, um, this has been a 30-year career where I've never felt like I, I go to work every day. Um it's you know it's what I do, right this is what I wake up for every day. I go to work and and I solve problems for people and uh, and I make problems for other people and and that's an in, that's an incredible that's an incredible career to have you know as I look back and and thirty years clearly we've had some some regrettable um, incidents and tragic things happen over the years, you know with both uh, you know many of my personal friends that uh, that we've that we've buried in Arlington and other places uh, but you know I they they all died uh doing exactly what they wanted to be doing and 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 i look at it the same way um i i've enjoyed every single day even when the worst of things was happening even uh under the the you know the the strain of combat or the strain of uh you know 50 hour work weeks and grinding it out on the computer uh now which is you know i i, I fight with a pen and a keyboard versus uh, a rifle and a pistol um but, uh, but yeah, I, I want to stay engaged with the community I'm still passionate about what you guys are going to continue to do and, and how this thing shapes up into the future and the problems that you're asked to solve in the future and, and uh, the, uh, the enemies that you go up against in the future, which is, you know, history tells us anything it tells us uh that that you know that this conflict won't be the last conflict so uh yeah i'm i'm passionate about that so i have nothing definitive right now but i do know i'll be doing a bit of a i'll 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 be interning for a period of time and then i'll, I'll take some leave uh and then i'll uh, i'll start the the next life uh whatever that is uh, i'm not not uh, squarely determined yet
0: that was a great answer. Uh, what, another one from the Instagram page, what is your biggest challenge mentally? Like, where is it that you just find, we all have that, that voice that nags us in the back of the head and and we can hear it speak in that negative self-talk. What's your biggest challenge mentally, um, you know, during your work today?
2: You know, I think, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of problems out there to solve. Right. And, and, you know, there's only so much time, in the day, there's only so much time in the week, uh, and and I think sometimes it's really easy to to get a little. Um, I would say uh, defeated is not that's too strong of a word, <clears throat> but feeling like your energy is not producing what it should be producing, uh, and it's easy to to let that kind of to get in your own way. After a while, let that get in your head because things you know things move at the speed of of bureaucracy. And a lot of times when you're trying to move big rocks those big rocks don't move real fast so i I would say if you know if that that that, that would be a frustration for sure and uh and and if you let it fester uh it can certainly be more than that i would say that's probably the biggest one you know because you know in my world right now uh we're trying to move some very big rocks and uh and, and and um you know, moving those, coordinating uh, the right, you know, directorates with the right expertise to bring together the teams to help solve the problems and then to produce the documents and get them approved and run them up the chain, and you know all of those things just take staff time and energy, and leaders uh, having a meeting and then a subsequent meeting and then a follow up meeting and then an IPR, and and, uh, and and so you know when you're trying to move many things all at the same time and and and, and do them all well, you know it just it's a it's a challenging process for sure. Um, so I would say that's probably you know, like day to day, you know, just the speed that we can really affect real positive change is, is a challenge. Got it.
0: Got it. Yeah. that's, and, and again, I, I can't imagine like some of the programs and some of the changes you're, you're having to make and the amount of follow through, like I can understand at least to some level, how, how frustrating that, that really must've been. How about uh, when you came in, did you ever think that you'd be I- at your position now? Did you ever have any, any idea that
2: you'd be okay. the
0: two, the four, uh, Sal command chief? Like,
2: no, I, uh, <laughs> I didn't even know what a promotion was. <laughs> I, uh, I came in, you know, li- literally, I was that w- eyes wide open kid that like, you're telling me you're going to, you're going to give me a paycheck. Um, you're going to teach me how to shoot machine guns. Um, you're going to give me a chow hall to eat at every day and and a, and a rack to sleep in. I can, you know, I had a, a seven or an 87 Jeep CJ7 that I can park in the parking lot, go downtown when I need to, man, like I was, uh, you know, I was like a pig in shit, um, <laughs> So no, I never, you know, and nice. I never really got away from that. Like I, I lived that way real Spartan for a long time, you know, until you get married and you start, you know, setting up some roots and building, you know, a, you know, a, a little depth into your life with your family. But, uh, but I really, um, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I never strive for promotion. You know, you'll, you'll hear about, and you guys have experienced the people that go their entire career career working toward the next promotion Mm -hmm. and man like that's a hollow career man i'll tell you like i've never wanted to be promoted i've never tried to be promoted i've never done certain things to try because i thought it's what should be on my performance report to get promoted i've never uh, i've never joined certain clubs because someone told me hey if you join this club and you have that on your performance report that'll help (laughs) you i've never done any of these things I, i focused on uh you know caring for people understanding my job being competent troop leading Uh, always being there when people asked for help, always being the guy that raised his hand when, when, Hey, when there's a deployment coming up and -and so-and-so can't go, or, or their wife's having a baby and we just, we need to fill this last second deployment billet, man, put your hand in the air and go do it because it's the right thing to do. And, And as you just do those things and you make the right call, uh, time after time, uh, you know, you. People appreciate, uh, you know, the the fact that you are um, you're someone that can be counted on, and you're competent, and and your you know, the quality of your work is always uh, where it should be, and and promotions naturally happen as a byproduct. Uh, so no, I, I never wanted to, I never focused on it. Uh, you know, promotions came, some took longer than others, and but they all happened. Uh, and you know, um, I, I didn't actually ask for to be a command chief in the Air Force either. This was something that uh, I had a few leaders, you know. Asked me if I would, and I, um, I reconsidered an earlier retirement that I was going to do. And I said, you know, I, I think maybe this is worth sticking around a little bit longer for, and I did, and I, and I don't regret it because the experience of having worked at the group level with a large organization and then the wing level with an even larger organization and, uh, and learning how that functions and learning how to be an even better leader, um, and having to open up a whole new toolbox of leadership skills to work at this level versus working at the group squadron and then team level. So, um, it, it's been phenomenal for me. And, uh, and so no, never, never wanted to get promoted. That would be my advice to anyone. No, don't seek promotion, seek opportunities to excel.
1: Yeah. I think that is really important. Like you're talking about, we, like you said, know a lot of people that, you know, it doesn't happen as much in this group field, but in the rest of the Air force it's like, that's the bar that they meet and once they get to you know chief or whatever and they're just done and they don't want to do um, anything, and they're not looking at, you know, the people like you're talking about, they're looking at, you know, what's on my shoulder, uh, I guess. Now what's on my chest, you know, with the OCPs, but they're just looking after that one stripe. And I think it's really important. Just going back to what you said, just focusing on the team the entire time. And like you said, you're always doing the right thing. If you're focusing on the team and not yourself. Um,
2: yeah, and, so and you can't, you can't lead with your stripes, right? Like if, if you try to lead with your stripes, you will fail every single time. The stripes are a byproduct of the leadership that you're providing already
1: love it um so going along that kind of vein a little bit um you know we're all younger kids at one point you know we didn't have much as far as uh information on the internet or training advice or any of that kind of stuff so kind of uh looking back at your your former self before you joined the military what one piece of advice did you wish you would have known or would you tell yourself about your career that was going to be in the military
2: (coughs) um Yeah, I'd say, um, stay the course, uh, there's, uh, there are a lot of roadblocks, uh, that could try to get in your way. And, and this applies to life in general, not just a, a career in air force, special warfare, but, um, you know, you, you gotta be willing to fight for it, right? Like there's, there's, uh, there's, add administrative processes that are a challenge to navigate Uh, the pipeline itself is incredibly difficult it takes a couple years to get through it and you got to show that determination to stay motivated as you do it uh and and there could be things in your personal life that act as barriers as well you know either through relationships or, or other things there could be health concerns there could be all kinds of things uh that go on uh and i would say uh you just got to be willing to persevere. You know, you got to you got to be willing to not take no for an answer. Um, yeah, that that would be one thing. Um, prepare, I guess, would be another one that comes to mind. Uh, this isn't the kind of thing that you want to jump into half-assed. Um, yeah. You you want to you want to be prepared for what you're about to do. You want to learn, and the fact that you're watching this podcast right now tells me that you're interested in learning a little bit, and that's half the battle. Um, but having the personal motivation to take what you're learning here and then apply it to your life to make yourself ready for what you're asking to do or what you what you think you want to do or or maybe it's really what you want to do, um, that's a whole different thing. So I, I think that um, you know preparation is is key to success, right? Like you know we don't we don't um, hope is not a course of action that that is generally successful so if you're if you're (laughs) hoping you're going to get yeah if you're hoping you're going to get through the pipeline or you think you can rage your way through the pipeline uh you know those uh those are likely unsuccessful so i I think proper preparation prevents piss poor performance you remember the five p's
3: (laughs) Well, Chief, I'm going to hit you with one more Instagram question before we wrap everything up. But this is a question that we actually get quite often, and we try to explain it, but uh, probably since you're used to answering these kind of questions, you'll probably be able to answer it better than we can. But with manning so low, why are there so few retraining slots available?
2: Yeah. I don't, yeah, I, I can probably venture, uh, you know, a guess. So retraining is managed by headquarters air force. Uh, I'm guessing by the fact that you're asking me this question right now, that, that you are hearing from the field that that they're generally unsatisfied with the number of retraining quotas. Huh? Yeah, we,
3: we get a lot of messages from, from active duty Air Force guys that are, that are frustrated because I, they, I'm ready. I can pass the pass test. My package is there. It's submitted. And we're just waiting to hear how many slots drop. And, you know, there's a lot. Each base probably has four or five people that are training to, to come into any of the spec war uh, career fields.
2: Yeah there's so you know there's when when it comes to like you know we have career field managers up at the Pentagon and and their their job is to balance the force right and to make sure that we're growing it at the appropriate rate to fill vacancies so as people retire as people separate from the air force we got to grow at the same rate in order to to maintain or we need to grow faster if we're trying to grow the force and and so that's their job really to to help manage that process, and then we have at the MAGCOM level, we have functional managers that do that for smaller organizations. But they all kind of work in support of that effort to make sure that we maintain balance in the force. Uh, one of the components of that balance is rank structure. So when you look at um, you know bringing in, and I'll, I'll try to make this understandable. You know, if I'm going to hire. technical sergeant who's been in for 10 or 11 years and i'm gonna send him through the pipeline and he shows up at a team the expectation that he is a competent leader when he shows up at that team but he is a brand new afspec spec war airman right so that is a challenge and if we do that too much that injects chaos and turbulence into the organizations so part of the management that uh that that are, you know, our CFMs or career field managers are, are, are trying to manage is, okay, so what's the right mix based on vacancies at different rank tiers within the organizations? How many can we afford to inject before that turbulence is is unsustainable? So it, it, that's part of the calculus that goes into it. And and, and there's likely more that, that that has to do with end strength numbers for the Air Force as we try to Congress dictates how big the Air Force can be, and, and and how big career fields are, and how many vacancies we have, and and all that stuff. And uh, so there's, you know, I'm sure a uh, what used to be a, a room sized gonculator somewhere in the Pentagon that that helps them do that. But uh, <laughs> I think that from a, if I was going to answer the question to those in your audience that are asking it, it it's we got to be careful. We got to be careful. If you if you're going to retrain someone who has already been in the Air Force and has established themselves. Uh, you know, at a, at a rank component or tier like an E5 or an E6, a staff sergeant or a tech sergeant, and we're going to take them in. We need to be careful um, how many times we do that and and how many of those new leaders that we inject at any one time into the system. Um, because, you know, there's a big difference between a staff sergeant who's grown up as an Spec war airman and a staff sergeant that was any other career field and is brand new in the same formation. The, what, I can, what I can ask of of them to do is completely different one versus the other so we just got to be careful with that and and some people are super successful right i have known guys that have come over as a master sergeant or made master sergeant in the mm-hmm. pipeline and mm-hmm. have embedded into teams and been highly successful and then there's others that we've done that with at the staff or tech sergeant level that uh that it hasn't gone well at all so that's uh Chief, that's, i'm that's right here we already talked about this <laughs> No, Aaron, you're you're like the subject matter expert for every point I'm trying to make tonight. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Got
1: to be That's asking you something. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, the last thing, and I just like to close out with, uh, this kind of topic and, uh, obviously you can hit home all the things that you think are extremely important to these, but we have a lot of a wide variety. Like we explained in the beginning, when we were talking about this, you know, 18 to 35 year olds and even up, uh, that are coming in and they're trying to get, you know, they're jumping career fields or they're coming from maybe a stable career or out of college, you know, a variety of different things. So what, uh, is one thing that you'd like to just hit home and like tell them do this every single day or no matter what you're going into um you know what got you through selection that kind of thing what would you tell them
2: yeah positive positive mental attitude mindset it's everything every you know if you talk about building uh you know building a solid structure on a foundation the foundation you know you got to know who you are you got to have a positive mindset uh, and you have to have, you know, that everything else is a byproduct of that. How you engage with other people is a byproduct of that. How you engage in your work, the quality of work, the the, the length of time that you're willing to spend getting something done is all a byproduct of, of your mental attitude. Um, you know, and, and if you are a positive person by nature, this can be easy because you just generally look at life from a positive lens. Uh, if that's not you, then that might be a blind spot. That might be an area that you need to work. Um, because we've all been around and I think it was Aaron who brought up or, uh, one of you talked about tray free and talk about, you know, there's that thing, uh, you don't, you don't know exactly what it is. Uh, but you know it when you see it. And, and a lot of times what that is, is just the dude you want to be around, right? Like the guy on the team that he might not be the best shooter. He might not be the best guy on the radio. He might not be the best medic. But man, I would never go anywhere without him, right? And, uh, and you want, you know, you should strive to be that guy. And, and some of that, from my experience, are the people that are just eternally positive, Right, it doesn't matter. You could be in uh, in in a shit sandwich somewhere uh, in the world, and man, if they're beside you, you know that you guys are going to be. You know, everyone's going to have the right mindset, and that individual, when everyone else is is potentially not, uh, you know, not, not maintaining their their positivity. Um, man, he'll, he'll carry the team. Right. So I think, uh, that's something that I've always, you know, I, I can think of a dozen people just off the top of my head that, that fit that description. They were just the guy that they they weren't necessarily the best combat controller, or the best PJ, but man, they were just awesome to have around and you'd never do anything without them. Um, you know, the other thing that I that I would, I would say is <clears throat> know who you are early in life. Like, so if you're, if you're young right now and you're listening to this you're 17 18 years old and you're trying to decide what to do with your life um you need to know who you are as a human uh before you uh start to to stack on capability like you know you want to be a combat controller or you want to be this or that or, or do something else from from a career perspective um know who you are as a man or a woman um know what you believe and and do not yield to pressures around you that'll tell you that uh there's there's a better there's a better you right so uh, i would say that you know if you if you start off that way uh man you put on that armor and you defend what you believe um you're going to be highly successful and and maybe you'll be highly successful in ways that you don't even you don't even you don't see yet uh so that's some advice that i I wish i would have gotten earlier on really Mm -hmm. be introspective when you're young Um, look at look at when you uh here's another little tidbit i don't want to go too long but you know someone once told me that uh if you plan your life from your funeral backwards and you and you um first think about the things that you would want people to be saying so what people would you want to be at your funeral what would you want them to be saying in your eulogy right um what would you want people to what stories would you want people to tell about you and if you plan your life backwards from the way you envision that event um you are going to meet all of your life goals um if you um you know and, and some of it comes to you know you, it takes a little introspective and you know or introspection uh, and you know i wish i would have done this when i was younger and now that I'm more mature, it's it's easier to do this. But you know, I know as as an 18, 19 year old, that that's asking a lot. But you know, really look at your life and 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 what you want people to to think about you. And and to, do the decisions you make day to day bring you closer to that vision of yourself, or do they bring you further away from that vision of yourself? And uh, and, and if they bring you further away, uh, you you should probably um, relook at, at at what you're doing day to day and and change your habits, change your lifestyle.
1: I think that is super important because a lot of the guys we talk to, like you said, they're young. They're like, I have time. I have time to, you know, grow into myself. I have time to, to do whatever, you know, I don't, I don't really need to start doing anything until I'm like 25, 30, that kind of thing. And those people, once you, if you can get out of school earlier or whatever and do just like the chief said and figure out the person that you are earlier in life and the earlier that you do that, you know, the more you can stack on stuff because it's kind of like, you know, you have a four cylinder engine when you start out with, and then you start building your frame before you start adding on patches and nice things, because, uh, really what matters is the engine and what's going to drive you further, not the fancy things that are going to be on the outside, like the badges and all that stuff. So I think that is super important. So you guys out there listening, uh, make sure that you are doing that. Um, so I'm just going to kind of recap some of the things that we talked about real quick. And again, we appreciate you chief coming on the show and talking to these people, you know, the audience, like you said, is a uh, soaking up all the knowledge I can get. And right there, the last uh, 10 minutes was just awesome. I think we're going to do like a full 10 minute soundbite of all the things you just said, because <laughs> That's there's it. a ton of wisdom in there. Um, but the other stuff, you know, like uh, like we were talking about in the beginning, Chief, with over his 30 years of, you know, being in the Marine Corps to recon, going through multiple selections, and kind of building himself into the person that he eventually became but not intending on getting that position uh, because he was focusing on rank or focusing on any of the other, you know, other things that would be like those little badges and like, oh, nice to have. But he focused in on the team, and I think that is – Um, super important. And it starts from day one when you step in the door in the air force, those people are always going to remember you for the rest of your life. Like, like, uh, chief peaches or soon to be chief peaches and chief Gilman were talking about, um, they met each other in the gym when peach was a student and the chief was the instructor and they both recall that exact event that happened. So, you know, your reputation starts, the minute you step in the door and you show your face, you say, hoo ya, Sergeant, for the first time, whatever you do, all these guys are going to remember you because we see each other in the Air Force. And I run into, and I'm sure Aaron Peach is the same thing, different people that we've trained throughout the Air Force, or they hit us up on email asking us questions. So it's a continuous thing, and people are going to expect that same reputation. And you want to be that guy that people can trust and lean on, just like the chief was talking about. As you go through your career, if you're that guy that consistently has a good answer or at least a good outlook that they will find the answer um, to every single question or problem that comes up for the team, then you're cool, calm, then they're going to keep on coming to you for answers, which you know, obviously Chief Gilmain has a ton of answers because he ended up getting a ton of those questions and then rising to the level of the South Chief, so Um, just consistently strive to be that guy and um, you will go further in your career than you would have planned, but it's all about a team. So I, again, I appreciate you coming on chief. Um, And if you ever want to come on again or anything that you want to recover. Oh, and again, I'll, we will make sure to put that list. If you can get the reading list for those guys to read up on, because reading is super important. If you don't, if you're not reading, listening to podcasts, any of this stuff to prepare yourself, and you're just listening to Britney Spears or whatever you're doing during your workouts. If you're into that, sure, there's a time for it. But listen hey, to your don't podcast, Britney.
2: All right, <laughs> and I'm just saying. T-shirt, Brian. Don't forget about the T-shirt. Right, yeah. we will get. <laughs> <I> got <him.
1: laughs> We'll get the, the chief a T-shirt for sure. Um, Maybe we'll
0: have to make a special, uh, hope is not a Koa. One's ready, limited release t-shirt. <laughs> and we'll have the like chief. That. I like hope is not a Koa. Maybe that's the next one.
1: Boom. That is actually <laughs> pretty I would good. I, that. Like that. Yeah, yeah, pretty. I like that. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. All right. Um, so any last parting words, chief?
2: No, thanks. Brian, Aaron, uh, Jared. Uh, th- this is, uh, certainly an honor for me to, to be able to, you know, uh, invest in some people, uh, even if it's just for for a quick hour. You know, uh, if people listen to this and and they get some benefit from it, uh, th- that is certainly my hope. Uh, but thanks for teeing it up. The work that you guys are doing is certainly benefiting uh, a whole lot of people too, uh, and ultimately benefiting uh, what we're all passionate about, which is you know AF spec war and, and defending the nation. So, thanks for for the work that you guys are doing, both in your your full time jobs and for this as well. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Uh, appreciate for you. Coming on. Yep.
1: All right. So you guys, thank you again for listening to another episode of One's Ready. You guys, have any recommendations for anybody that you want us to bring on? Um, go ahead and hit us up. And if you ever have any questions, we're always here for you to uh, try and explain. We'll do our best. If we can't find the answer or if we don't know the answer, we'll find the answer for you, of course. And uh, make sure that you guys are going out there, earning each breath, and getting in the gym. We'll see you guys next time.
3: Later. Light
0: up.
1: Light up, train hard.
0: Later.